Next on BYU Sports Nation, with three top 25 opponents on the hoop schedule, is the basketball schedule suddenly tougher than the football schedule? And is a football game against UMass a trap game? It's well, a trap! One publication thinks so, and our preseason preview takes us on the road to Tucson. Plus, the matchup you are tired of, and your favorite player in BYU Sports history. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. What is good? Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, May 31st. Tomorrow is June. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is installing a Roku. So I'm teamed up with leg day anti-proponent Jason Shepard. Look, I'm all for working the legs, but you use them in walking to the next upper body That's how you machine. use them, yeah. Look, it's part of it. You can't get from one machine to the next without walking to it. You could do a handstand. Ooh. That would then work your Like do body. push-ups while I'm doing the yeah. handstand? Or do like a... You know the bear, the mountain climber, or whatever. Let me tell you, you would be spot. you would be shocked to know some of the workouts. We talk about walking on your hand. Yeah. It's amazing what some people will, are actually able to do. Yeah, it's crazy. My daughter, who's four, is now five. I guess she's frustrated that she can't do a handstand. I'm like, you're five. You just you're you're still learning. She wants to just know something immediately. I'm like, you gotta wait. I'm always got to be patient. You got to pay the price. I always get a false sense of accomplishment when I do a handstand in a pool. Because you can, <laughs> because, yeah, that'll do it. Because you can, you can really maintain a handstand for a long time in water. And then sometimes I'll go like one hand, and I'm like, I am. You're the like, boss. dude, I got like one finger. I'm like, like, like this is easy. And then, wow. the, and, and then the goggles fill up, and you're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Speaking of filling it up, lots to discuss. Let's get to it. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Yesterday, Nevada, not to be confused with Nevada, the men's hoops team announced that the Martin twins, Cody and Caleb, who combined to average 31 a game last year, are returning to Reno, the biggest little city. This season, after a Sweet 16 year in which they lost that game by one point, they could have been in the Elite Eight, but Grandma, or what's her name, uh, Sister Jean, got in the way, uh, which prompted college basketball writers Gary Parrish and John Rothstein, who's been on the program, to update their preseason top 25s, which include BYU opponents Gonzaga, Nevada, and Mississippi State. So, Jason, I ask you the following. Is the basketball schedule more difficult than football now? Um, it is certainly more difficult, but no, it is not. And for this reason, if fewer games in football, there's less time to recover from losses. Whereas in basketball, you know, you have time. Let's say you, you, you drop a game. Maybe you shouldn't, or you, you lose big or something. You've got time, depending on when it happens to be able to make that up. And quite frankly, from what, we, what we've seen with the scheduling, it's not so much about winning these games. It's about scheduling these games in basketball. You have to win some. You have to, yeah, sure, certainly. You can't lose them all. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma. Texas Southern's like, our non-con was awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's fewer games in football, so there's more weight to a single game than there is in basketball. So, for me, it's still football. But what's the point of football right now for BYU? It's to win half the games, right? So, does it even matter? Basketball, it's to get to the NCAA tournament. If you don't, 
it was a good season, but it wasn't that good of a season. You could win the NIT and be like, eh, it is what it is, right? Like, tell me who won the NIT uh, two years ago. I have no idea. I have no idea. It is football because guess what? Half the schedule's hard. Right. Half the schedule is hard. We call it the gauntlet, okay? Um, half the schedule isn't hard for BYU hoops. They certainly have some challenging games as the ones we mentioned, plus Houston and Utah and at Illinois State potentially could be a top 100 RPI game. We'll see. But football, the gauntlet's where it's at, bro. Arizona, which we'll preview coming up with a rider. Cal, Wisconsin, Washington, Boise State, Utah. Five of these on the road. Are you kidding me? Hoops is following a similar direction. Like, I think BYU's got the scheduling idea inverted. Like, football, the football ideology and philosophy, I think, should be in basketball, and then we're seeing that happen. And I think that football needs to cool it, as I've talked about. Four games, two against Gonzaga, Nevada, Mississippi State, against preseason top 15 teams is definitely good for the schedule-ocracy, as I call it, on Selection Sunday. But it won't break the bank. Like, BYU just needs to win one of those four, and then they'd be in a good spot. The Athletic wrote a piece yesterday about the 15 potential trap games in college football. On that list, Jerem, was a certain game being played in Foxborough with Tom Brady and Giselle in attendance on November 10th between the BYU Cougars and the UMass Minutemen. Jerem, is UMass a trap game for BYU? No, but it's a trap game for UMass. UMass plays Georgia the next week on the road. It's a trap game for the Minutemen, (laughs) but they're always ready. You know what I mean? Yes, Listen, no, this is a game that BYU is going to go and win. Win. There's a, UMass was a four-win team last year. I know they returned some, some good players on offense. This is the number 17 passing offense in the country last year. Andrew Ford, good quarterback. He'll be a senior. They have a 1,000-yard receiver in Andy Isabel. Marquise Young averaged 125 a game, rushing the ball the last six. The Minutemen are good on offense. They stink on defense. BYU is going to go and win that game, okay? Will it be more challenging than originally thought? Sure. BYU's going to go and win that game. It's not a trap game for BYU. It's a trap game for UMass because they play the national runner-up in the next week. Look, it's not a trap game. And everybody probably has their own definition of of what you would consider a trap game. For me, a, a trap game is something that sneaks up on you, something that you maybe can overlook. How in the world... It was a trap game last year. How in the world is BYU <laughs> going to overlook... UMass, when they came into Provo last year and won, there is absolutely no chance that BYU is going to overlook UMass after what happened last year. There's no chance this is a trap game for BYU at all. End of story. A trap game implies that there's a trap. Like, something is set and you could get caught in it, right? BYU ain't getting caught in no trap in Foxborough. Come on, man. They're going to follow those bricks around town, tour Boston, go down to Foxborough and take care of business. Do you think Gronk would show up if Tom and Giselle didn't? Well, Gronk, who knows when Gronk's going to show up for the Maybe Patriots. Gronk will come down for a BYU in Arizona. Maybe. Because David Nixon tackled uh, your boy, Rob Gronkowski, in the uh, 08 Vegas Bowl. Tonight marks game one between the Cavs and Warriors in the NBA Finals. I wish they were on NBC just so I could hear that song again. Some are excited about the matchup. Most seem to be tired of it for a record fourth season in a row, to which Clay Thompson said the other teams in the NBA need to get better. So, Jason, which BYU matchup are you most tired of? Uh, yeah, I would say, of course, losing to that team that shall not be named. Oh, uh, who, Utah? No, 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 no. Uh, in fact, I'm actually going to start calling them Voldemort uh, because I'm willing to say that. Well, if you're scared, say Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, is that in the books? Sorry, I don't even know. Are you talking about Utah? Yes, talking okay. about Utah. You said it. Stop. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and honestly, it's, it's not so much the matchup. I'm just tired of losing the game. Yeah. It's a fun game. It's a great rivalry. I'm just tired of losing the it, game. It was a great rivalry. Great point. Uh, also, how about this one? A L- little away from like a specific matchup. Okay. How about football versus September juggernaut schedules? Trying to rebound. You joining me in this? <laughs> well, just trying to rebound after early season losses in football is getting tiresome. Like, it's, it's not fun being just tra- one and Just two. spending the rest of the year trying to recover from the first month, that's getting tiresome. So those are mine. Beauty's not in the recovery business. Generally, we're not in the position to have to recover, right? It's, no, things go well or whatever. I'm tired of losing to Utah football. Absolutely. I'm tired of BYU not ever winning a conference title a tournament title game in basketball. In the Mountain West, it was totally possible. BYU never did it. Felt like UNLV was too much to overcome. And then when UNLV wasn't in it, it was using all the gas in the tank to beat New Mexico and then losing to San Diego State. It didn't cost BYU much. BYU still made NCAA tournaments, still won in NCAA tournaments. But now in the in the West Coast Conference, I ain't got no hope that BYU is going to win a tournament title game in Vegas. I just don't. Um, and then athletes versus the honor code. I'm just tired of that matchup, too. So <laughs> hopefully uh, everyone can figure it out. But, yeah, if BYU can beat Utah this year, that would be a good thing in football. Is this the year for thing. it? I don't know. Like, coming off of 4-9, not knowing who your quarterback is, end of the year. I think next year, in 2019, to open the season at home against Utah, I think that's a great time to snap the streak. I would love for it to end this week. I, year, I, obviously. I do love the fact that, especially when there's so many unknowns with this BYU team, being the last game of the year, you have a pretty good idea. You, you would hope by the end of the, by the last game, you have a pretty good idea who you are. Well, we, last year wasn't. But that was due to injury. Now, that's, that's the, that's the million-dollar question for but both what if teams. You are how, as, what if who you are is a sucky team? Like, Hopefully, who you are is a good team. Right? Yes, and as we know, the future and the unknown is always positive. The future is always. So I like the fact that it's at the end of the year. I like, as we saw for decades, it was always the last game of the year. Yes. I, I like having it there again. I think it will be a better representation of both teams in that matchup. All right, if you're on social media, you're probably aware that uh, you know certain topics can go viral. And one of the recent topics to get people involved has been to ask your favorite all-time player in various sports. So you're supposed to answer and then post in hopes that others will then do the same. And if you're aware of what I'm talking about, you know that they have. So, Jerem, we're going to put a little BYU spin on this. Who is your favorite BYU athlete in football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, and then any sport of your choice. Okay, football's Jim McMahon. Was there a guy that you have more confidence in ever than Jim McMahon? 1980, BYU wants to throw in the talent punt. Jim Jim says some choice words that can't be uttered, and uh, BYU goes for it and takes care of business. Basketball, Jim or Fredette? Got to know James. Went to Glens Falls a couple times. Fun fun relationship there. Baseball, Wally Joyner. Wally's World, the Angels, awesome, man. Volleyball, Taylor Sander had an incredible time uh, covering him, and Brendan, for that matter, that family. And then I'm going off the board with rugby. Steve St. Pierre, who was the captain of the 2009 team, and my roommate for several years. That was a fun team. I shed tears on the field with those guys when they won their first one. Very nice. It was good. Uh, We actually have two that are the same, uh, but Uh football, we differ. I went with Ty Detmer for football. 
for for me, I, when, once we moved from Missouri to Utah, that was '89. That's a Mormon thing to do. Yes, <laughs> we'll be going back. Probably should have kept our house. We are. Uh, sure. Why Still not? Waiting for that every April and October. <laughs> so, so my first BYU football game, I went with my grandma. To Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Does everyone have a grandma BYU sports Co- experience? Cougar. And, and Ty Detmer. Ty Detmer was the quarterback. It was, the game was in, nine, in 90. And I, decent so, year. Decent year. So Ty Detmer was my first BYU game. He, he will always be my favorite BYU football player. Basketball, we agree. Jimmer Fredette. There, there was, has never been anything like that that I have ever experienced in my life. He was fantastic. And you talk about confidence in a guy that, you can win a game. There's Jimmer Fredette. Uh, baseball, Wally Joyner. Yep. And, and I've always loved Wally, but this last Wally! BYU baseball uh, dinner, he was the guy that yes. was the, one of the, the, the keynote, keynote speakers. So I actually had a chance to, to talk with him, and I, I was able to actually get a, a Wally Joyner signed bat. I have that. Nice. Yeah. So uh, Wally joined that same dinner. I didn't get a bat. That's cool. <laughs> uh, volleyball. I went with Ryan Millar. And if I get the greatest this, player, yes, without saying Kevin Millar, I'm going to be very proud of myself. Ryan Millar. Like, like he obviously played in in late '90s and mid to late '90s. And so I didn't really know anything about BYU volleyball at that point, but I knew who Ryan Millar was. The 99 national champ. Yes. Considered one of the top five greatest teams in volleyball. Yeah, so, he, so he's my favorite volleyball player. And then for my other, I went with women's basketball fairly recently. I went with Lexi eaton Rydalch. She was an absolute stud. When you can take over the conference, the West Coast Conference lead in scoring – it, at the clip that she did, she was unstoppable. Men and women. Men and women, yes. All-time leading, All-time leading score. Yep. When she wanted to score, you were not stopping her. And she was great to get to know. So I, I went with Lexi. That's our question of the day. Who is your all-time favorite BYU athlete in the various sports? Weigh in on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. On Twitter, you can use hashtag BYUSN. Let's get to your responses in the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Eli underscore win 13 on the gram. Football, Jamal Williams. Oh, one of the most likable players of all time. Basketball, Kyle Collinsworth with some avocados. <laughs> Baseball, Keaton Kringlin. Very likable character. Yes, immensely Keaton likable. Kringlin. Volleyball, Ben Patch, who's tearing it up on Team USA, by, by the way, in the Volleyball Nations League. Hey, spe- awesome. Speaking of Jamal Williams, I showed you this yesterday. Nike? They're, uh, they're, what do they call them, sliders or their slides? Yes, yes. The, the shoes, basically kind of like the flip-flops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are now coming out with the, on top, like over the foot, a, a fanny pack is in it. It's got a zipper in there. And immediately, you and I thought of Jamal Williams, that like that would be perfect for Jamal. Does everyone know, uh, <laughs> have a friend that wears a fanny pack? Like, can you think of... The friend, I'm getting some nods from our camera guys. The uh, like, oh yeah, that one friend that would wear a fanny pack, whether they were in Europe or not. At USU Coog 11 on Twitter. Football, John Beck, who was on the program yesterday. Basketball, or was it Tuesday? It's been a long week. Jimmer. Jimmer's a favorite for a lot yes, of people. Yes, that's yeah. understandable. Basketball or uh, baseball, softball. Libby Sugg. We have some Libby Sugg news coming up in a little bit. Volleyball, Ben Patch, another one. Other, Shaquille Walker, track and field. Very nice. He was awesome. He was so fun, man. Keep uh, the responses coming on Twitter. You can use hashtag BYUSN, Facebook, and Instagram. If you uh, put it on MySpace, we will not see it. Just so far. Are you sure? 
We're, I mean, we're scouring. We're, looking. we're scouring everything. Not really, no. Okay. Yeah. Coming up, Kainakua picks off a Heisman winner. Big deal or no deal? We'll discuss that. I told you him getting waved by the Browns was a good thing. <laughs> and next, we preview the Arizona Wildcats, including a countdown. How good is Khalil Tate? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day is Friday, June 22nd. It's coming up. You can watch on BYU TV and listen on BYU Radio. You can check out the state of the program. We will have a two-hour BYU Sports Nation and a special on Cougars in the National Football League. That's the BYU Football Media Day coming up Friday, June 22nd. Three weeks from tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Three weeks from tomorrow. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You can follow us at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can weigh in on our question of the day on those media. Who is your favorite BYU athlete in various sports? Steve Stacy on Facebook says football equals Glenn Kozlowski. I'm also a Chicago Bears fan, but didn't like McMahon very well. Kozlowski tried to kiss me on this set, so not a huge fan per se. Uh, <laughs> basketball is Kyle Collinsworth, <laughs> which is awesome. Kyle was a fun player to watch. Broke into the NBA from the G League, undrafted. Great story. Still uh, unwritten chapters there. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next with his NBA career. What happens next is he's going to eat a nutritious meal. That's what happens next. Yes. Because he is, well played. In, he is into that, as we probably all should be. Uh, I'm excited about the football season. Obviously, that next. That is next. And how many days away are we? Countdown to the Wildcats. 93 days. The greatest. Number 93 in BYU history is Brett Kiesel, your boy from Gray Bull, Wyoming, played from 97-01, seventh-round pick to the Steelers, played 156 games over 12 seasons. And if you don't know who he is, do you recall the movie The Dark Knight? There's a scene where Bane shows up at a stadium. Okay, there are football players. Brett Kiesel is one of these players in there. Um, that stadium uh, gets, uh, gets blown up quite Spoiler a bit. Spoiler alert! Yeah, if, <laughs> statute of limitations is up on that one. I'm sorry. We asked Brett Kiesel... In that movie, what happened to his character? And he said, quote, he was blown to smithereens. <laughs> so uh, that was a, an un- unfortunate ending for Brett Kiesel's character in that film, but he is the best, number 93. We've been previewing, and we'll continue to preview throughout the summer, BYU football opponents, as we are 93 days away. Next up on the list is Arizona. So now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is the senior editor of GoAZCats.com, Matt Moreno. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Okay, we're excited. We count down to uh, Arizona every day. We look forward to this for, uh, you know, like the whole year. So uh, what are some of the biggest storylines, I guess, going into fall camp here in about two months for the Arizona Wildcats? Well, I think it would be wrong for me to not start with Khalil Tate, a Heisman contender coming into the season at quarterback for Arizona, took over the job full-time last year uh, after playing a little bit as a freshman. Um, Really came into his own, set some records, had a great month of October, um, broke a lot of records within the Pac-12, within Arizona's program for a quarterback uh, rushing, and really just became the star in Tucson and, and the star of the team, the face of the team. And now he'll head into the season knowing he's a starter for the first time, which I think will be a little bit interesting to see how he approaches it, uh, knowing he has to really step into that leadership role and become the guy for Arizona football. So I think it's it's right to start with him. And uh, and then next, I think, is, is is Kevin Sumlin. They have a new coaching staff on board. Uh, Rich Rodriguez is no longer the head coach at Arizona. Had a lot of turnover with the staff. Kept a couple 
coaches have holdovers from the previous staff, but uh, a new offensive system, a new a new look, uh, a new vibe around Tucson and Arizona with the program. So uh, those are a couple things to really look forward to with with this uh, upcoming fall and uh, and then just kind of this, the season has it, it, itself. I mean, uh, Arizona has a good chance to compete in the South this year, and it's <clears throat> it's going to be a great opportunity to uh, do some things, make some moves, and capitalize on the buzz they built with Kevin Sumlin now as the head coach uh, coming into this new season. Staying with Tate for just a second, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, everything that's kind of on the line and, and potential for him this year, and you know, he's been fantastic. Is the success of the season largely on his shoulders? Is he feeling that pressure? And I think that's the thing we're really going to have to learn and, and figure out as, as training camp goes on and as the fall gets closer and uh, the season arrives, is, is can he handle that? He seems like the type of person so far, just getting to know him. I've, I've covered him since he was a recruit in high school, I think a sophomore in high school, and uh, he's really matured and, and become that leader uh, so far. But you don't know until he hits the field and knows he's a starter and really has that weight on his shoulders of being you know, a Heisman contender and thought of that same light. Last year he came in and replaced Brandon Dawkins uh, about midway through the season um, and really took it from there. But but he didn't come into the season knowing he was the guy. Right now he has that on his shoulders. He's going to come into the season with a lot of hype. And I think he has uh, the capability and, and the mindset and the mentality to, to handle that role. But uh, it's something you won't know until the season starts and uh, games get going. We're talking to Matt Moreno of GoAZCats.com, previewing the Arizona Wildcats. BYU at Arizona on September 1st. There's kind of this shroud of secrecy with Arizona football in that there wasn't a lot, there were not a lot of interviews granted and discussion from the coaching staff. So what's kind of the perception of what Arizona football is given the limited nature of access in spring football? Yeah, even though we had limited access and we weren't, we weren't able to watch spring practice from beginning to end, uh, we were given access towards the end. We were able to watch the final uh, open scrimmage that the team had uh, the week before the spring game. They were obviously able to watch the spring game. Um, the first practice was open as well for the first 30 minutes or so, but we really didn't get a good gauge. I mean, there's still a lot of getting used to each other, and the, and the players, obviously this coaching staff hasn't recruited uh, those players that are at Arizona right now, so there was a lot of getting familiar with one another and learning tendencies and, and just becoming uh, closer on a more personal level. So that was kind of what the first practice was about, kind of just learning the ropes. But uh, as spring went on, we were able to get a little bit more access and, and talk to the coaches uh, a little bit more. Um, there were some things that stood out, and it was definitely uh, you got a better sense of what this team has to work on and needs to get better at and, and what it's going to be able to do well. I think the running back position uh, is a position that was a little bit of a pleasant surprise. Um, they lost a couple uh, seniors in in Zach Green and Nick Wilson, who had been with the team for so long and contributed for so long. Um, so there was some uncertainty about uh, where things could go from here with the running back group. But it's a very deep group. You can go about five deep with guys that provide some different skill sets, some different types of uh, ways to run the ball and to help on offense. And I think that really stood out. Um, the big area of concern is going to be the offensive line. It, it didn't look good. Um, it, it, just, it just didn't look good. And there's going to be uh, some help coming, but, but they really need to address that. And there needs to be some improvement between now and the first game, the season opener, because uh, it just didn't look great. And, and Kevin Sumlin addressed that uh, after the spring game and, and talked about they're going to be looking into grad transfers and looking into some guys to potentially come in and help and, and potentially help right away. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the summer and how, how much better they can get because uh, there, there, there were some significant losses along the offensive line, and um, they're going to need to replace those guys. And 
there's just some it just doesn't fit right right now and i think there's going to be some uh some more movement before the season opener arrives but that's really a big area of concern for the team right now you know there are an inherent unknowns going into a game one every year regardless of the situation but as we were just talking about with the new coaching staff in tucson a new byu offense that you know that is is basically unknown right now there there are a lot of things that are not known on both sides heading into game one so specifically for Arizona what's the biggest unknown for the Wildcats right now I think going back to the original point of Khalil Tate we really truly don't know how he's going to be used uh, Kevin Sumlin Noel Mazzoni is the new offensive coordinator both of them have said you know we're really not changing the offense a whole lot uh, to do different things than what you have seen before here in Tucson and uh, seen at Arizona with Khalil Tate uh, in the past couple of years. Um, and, and But Nolmozoni has not been known for necessarily doing exactly what Richard Rodriguez has done. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what that transition is like. It's gonna, there's going to be more passing from Khalil Tate. And there was, there was games where they didn't pass it a lot last year and, and even the year before. They just didn't pass the ball a ton. And a lot of what they did was on the ground and having the quarterback run the ball. And, and they had good quarterbacks to do that. Brandon Dawkins, uh, who's moved on now to Indiana, and, and then Khalil Tate. Uh, we're, we're great at running the ball and doing those types of things, but it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, the quarterbacks are going to have to be able to, to pass it. Khalil Tate is going to have to be able to make some throws uh, that maybe he wasn't asked to make as much uh, under the previous staff. And I think that's the real uh, big key. It's going to be a big part of what leads to potential success for this team, and it will be an important part of uh, Khalil Tate as, as he develops and becomes uh, the starting quarterback for good at Arizona. And uh, a lot of what could happen this season is going to be dependent on what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. And then on defense, um, it's a third year under Marcel Yates. He was a holdover. They kept him on staff. Uh, the players took to Twitter, took to social media, and really uh, put, put support behind their defensive coordinator. And uh, it's now he, he was able to be retained. He worked for Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M uh, several years ago. And uh, so there was a connection there. So he was able to stay on board as the defensive coordinator. And now it's the third year. And it's about, it's about that time that, that things need to really take a, a big turn and, and pick up and, um, I think that's the next big step for this defense. You really don't know. Uh, it looked better during spring ball, but uh, you really don't know what it's going to be like until you hit the field. And I think there's still some optimism there and, and some hope that they can be a strong group, but uh, that's still a bit of a question mark uh, heading into the, into the summer. In the Pac-12 and the Big 12, you don't have to be good on defense. You just have to be good enough because the offenses are really explosive. Arizona, last year, top 10 offense, bottom 25 defense. How much difference do you expect uh, with those two? Do you expect it to maintain a top 10 offense and be a better defense? It was interesting during spring ball, the defense really won spring. I mean, they were the, the top group of the spring. Uh, Kevin Summer mentioned the linebacker group, which is still young. Uh, all freshmen, the starting unit was all freshmen last year, all played, uh, were among the, some of the leading tacklers on the team. Uh, I think the top two leading tacklers were, were freshman linebackers. So they're really happy with that group. They really want to build around that group. But I think the thing that will bring optimism for Arizona fans is the defensive line. It's been uh, kind of the butt of the joke in a lot of ways for the last several years uh, because it was so undersized and they just didn't have the size when you got into conference play and got into top 12 play. Uh, it just looked different than the other teams they were facing. And uh, a lot of fans didn't like it, but that was, that was the part of the team that they really just didn't like. And uh, it's taken a jump up this year. They've added some uh, junior college transfers, some, some mid-year players uh, who are going to be part of the rotation now. And uh, it'll be an improved group. And I think that's something we saw in spring. And I think that's really what this defense is going to have to build around 
uh, is that defensive line and, and that improvement. Um, they look bigger now, and I think they're going to look more imposing than they would have, you know, in the last several years. Um, but I think, I think the defense is due for a rise. It just feels like a group that's ready to make that next jump. And like you mentioned, you don't have to be great. You just have to take that next level. And they haven't, they haven't even been good at times uh, over the last several years. So it's time for them to kind of take that next jump. And, and offensively, I think they'll figure it out. There were some wrinkles that they were still trying to get ironed out. Uh, Khalil Tate obviously is, is running a, a different system, different terminology. That's what the coaching staff focused on a lot, uh, just the terminology, getting on the same page with that. And that's going to be an important part of this summer workout program for that offensive, uh, offensive side of the ball is to get on the same page with the terminology and learning the plays and uh, just get a good feel for one another because uh, they were not on, on point uh, throughout the spring. And there are flashes of different things going deep a little bit more than, than necessarily we saw uh, under Rich Rodriguez. And uh, I think there were some bright spots, but uh, I think it'll be about just being consistent and really finding uh, a rhythm on that offensive side of the ball. But I think once they get that uh, tied in and locked in, I think they'll be ready to go, and they'll still be as productive because, like I mentioned, of that running back group. It gives them some more uh, versatility on that offensive side of the ball. Well, in 2006 and 2016 and 2007, uh, BYU opened the season with Arizona. We look forward to September 1st when that happens again. Matt, thanks for dropping some knowledge. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, that's Matt Moreno on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Very young team in Arizona that BYU will be facing. It's, uh, and as I mentioned, so many unknowns in the first game, which makes it even more exciting. And the unknown is always. Is always positive. No, it's just is always. No, positive. Dot, dot, dot. No, there's, there's no dot, dot, dot. It's positive. <laughs> Coming up, Maverick Buffo, my workout buddy, even though technically we never worked he out left together. To is having success with the Lansing Lugnuts. He will join us coming up a little later. How many hats has he stacked? And BYU Hoops has three preseason top 15 teams on the schedule. Big deal or no deal, this is BYU Sports Nation. Jordan Jason Shepard in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We are also on demand. There are apps, BYU TV, BYU Radio. They're free. Download them. Do it today. Let's check out some of today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. The BYU men's basketball schedule is as tough as advertised. Dave Rose, not a liar. He told us he would beef it up, and it is beefy. College basketball writer John Rothstein's updated preseason top 25 has Gonzaga at number two. Nevada at five now. My goodness. And Mississippi State at 15-3 of those four games, by the way, on the road. Not to be outdone, Gary Parrish has Gonzaga at 5, Nevada at 6, and Mississippi State at 15. This on the heels of Nevada announcing Caleb and Cody Martin are returning to Nevada. Fun Twitter video by Eric Musselman. They're back! The Cougars open the season in Reno. Didn't they have a Disney show, The Sweet Life of Caleb and Cody? (laughs) I don't know. Stop it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Was there about. one? No. Oh, okay. Zach, it just sounds... Zach and Cody. Zach and Cody? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's for our younger audience. We didn't have cable till I was like 16. So this was weird. on like five years ago. Oh, five years ago? Then I definitely wouldn't know that. Stop it. Kainakua... My kid doesn't watch the Disney Channel yet. Kainakua had a pick six. I'm upset with you right now. Kainakua had a pick six during... Well, after yesterday, oh. Solo and Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Can I mention Kainakua? He had a pretty good day. I'm happy about Kai not being in He had a Cleveland. pick six during an open session of OTAs for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. By the way, the pass that Nakua picked off was thrown by former Louisville quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson. He probably picked off Ty Detmer in practice, too, in 2016, right? 
So he would have picked off two Heisman Trophy winners? That's all he does is pick off Heisman Trophy winners. Very nice. Excited for Kai in Baltimore, except that he has to interact with Eric Weddle. Cougar softball catcher, uh, softball catcher Libby Sugg is on the NFCA All-American third team. Congratulations to Libby, the Sugg life. The junior led the team batting 423 with 64 RBIs, 63 hits. It's pretty good to have more RBIs than hits. <laughs> 13 doubles and 11 dingers. BYU Softball records two of the ESPNW Top 10 Softball Plays of the Year. Play number seven is Riley Jensen's home run robbing catch versus LSU. And play number two, still unbelievable, is Caitlin Aldridge's foul territory catch resulting in a dugout handstand right there. That is unbelievable. On TV, you're looking at it, and that was to win a game. Like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. So good. Our question of the day, who is your favorite BYU athlete in football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, and so on? Kirk Marley on Facebook. Ty Detmer for football. Yep. Very beloved. They might as well put a T on the mountain. I mean, they might as well. Maybe they ought to wait after last year a little bit. Basketball. Danny Ainge. I am an old guy. (laughs) (laughs) There was a comma there. I think there should have been a period there. Basketball. I am an old guy. At underscore Mr. Underscore Practical on Twitter. This is one of my burner accounts. Football. Taysom Hill. You can't argue with that either. It's pretty good. You cannot argue that. Basketball. James Taft Fredette. Mm Mm-hmm. Baseball, Colton Shaver, now in the Astros organization. Yep. And volleyball, Alexa Gray. Alexa was fantastic at BYU. She's a Canadian international playing pro still, which is fantastic. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There's lots to discuss in our next segment, which is Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal. No deal. Big Deal No Deal is presented by Utah Valley Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bring everyone together at visitprovo.org. It's definitely a big deal. Number one. Well, first, before we get to number one, maybe a big deal. Jason, Sweet Life of Zach and Code like five years ago. The runtime was from 2005 to 2008. Well, but they still have reruns. But then there was the sw- the Sweet Life on Deck that went from 2008 to 2011. I'm stuck in 08, so I can relate. <laughs> I still think Max Hall's the quarterback. Five years ago, Jason. Yeah. Five years ago. Big deal, no deal. Number one, BYU Hoops facing three top 15 teams in this year's schedule. Well, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a big deal because you're facing some really, really good teams. And, I mean, you're talking three in the top 15. But it's four also games. Yes. But, three teams, four games. Yes. But you're, it's, it's also a big deal because of the way – that college basketball is going, that you were able to get those guys on this schedule. It's a bit, now, granted, obviously, Gonzaga's in your conference, but it, it's a big deal all around to be able to have those types of teams and give BYU an opportunity to take on that type of talent. It's a big deal because on Selection Sunday, BYU's got a shot, um, and they're going to have to win enough games. Now, the issue is if BYU starts slow and comes out of non-conference with those 15 games and is like 8-7, and seven, it's like, oh. Now you've got to really make a run in the West Coast Conference uh, regular season. So it is a big deal. Number two. Big deal, no deal. Kai Nakua's pick six of Lamar Jackson. No deal. It's OTAs. It's May. It's cool, but I will, I will go no deal. It doesn't mean he's going to like make the 53 or whatever. I, I think it's cool, but it's no deal for me. No, I understand the logic. I am going to say it's a big deal. Uh, but I, I think it's a big deal because you're trying to make a name for yourself. I mean, he was signed as a free agent, sure. so he's trying to make this team. And if you have an opportunity to make a play and get eyes on you and they can see what you can do, I think that's a big deal for Kainakua. 
that pick six will do less than, oh, you played in all 16 games for a team in our division against us twice. We are familiar with you. I understand. So, so no deal. No deal. He's done more than just that play. Uh, and, yeah, it's one play. Number three. I was expecting, Jason, big deal. This proves BYU greater than Louisville. But <laughs> no? Th- This is the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, last one. Big deal, no deal. A BYU flag featured in a market in Old Town, Jerusalem. Here's the context. Brett Nielsen tweeted a picture at BYU Sports Nation the other day. From Jerusalem of a Brigham Young University flag in what appears to be a street market alleyway. That's cool. What do you think? Yeah, it's a big deal. And it just solidifies that not only is BYU a national brand, they are an international brand. Sorry, does does Notre Dame, Florida State, USA, do they have a a campus extension in Jerusalem? (laughs) Do they? They do not. Okay. Yes, BYU in Jerusalem, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Very nice. Thanks for uh, sending that in, Brett Nielsen. We appreciate it. That is big deal, no deal, and it is a big deal that we have answered those questions. Absolutely. Coming up, more of your all-time favorite BYU athletes. That's in Voice of the Nation. And the hat-stacking, flame-throwing, Blue Jays minor league pitcher Maverick Buffo on why he never worked out with Jason. That's coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. Big Deal No Deal is sponsored by the Utah Valley Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bring everyone together. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I'm sure you've already got it marked on your calendars, but just in case, Friday, June, make sure you get your refill pages. Uh, Friday, June 22nd, it's BYU Football Media Day. You can check it out on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We will have the state of the program. Two hours of BYU Sports Nation, plus a special on Cougars in the NFL. That's the BYU Football Media Day, Friday, June 22nd, three weeks from tomorrow. Did you own a Franklin Planner? Absolutely, I did. Did you get the refill pages? Absolutely, and I got the ESPN refill pages because what? sports. Because sports? Yes. That's awesome, man. Jeremy Jason, live from Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you missed the show at noon Eastern, there is a rebroadcast at 6 Eastern every day. So fear not. You can always set the DVR as well. Our question of the day. Who's your favorite BYU athlete in the various sports? ML Keck on Instagram. When you're as old as I am, there are too many choices, but I'll go with Kyle Van Noy, Jimmer, Maverick Buffo. Mm, timely. Well done by our social media team putting that one in. Ben Patch and Jamal Williams. I can pick him because he ran track too. Now you said you're old, but you didn't put anyone that's older than like oh nine in there. So I, I'm questioning that one. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Speaking of the man named Maverick Buffo, he now joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Maverick, what is up and welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, you're in the Blue Jays minor league organization. This uh, you you played at BYU, you played last year, and now this is your, I guess, technically your first full season in the minors. How's life in the minors? It's not bad. It's not as bad as everyone thinks it is, at least. But uh, I mean, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of cool experiences so far, and I'm enjoying it. So, just yeah. trying to keep grinding away. I don't. I don't know if you have any regrets uh, about leaving Maverick, but I assume if you do. Probably at the top of the list would be the fact that you and I never, ever got to go work out together like we always promised we would. How much do you know, think about that? How much does that just kind of ruin things for you? 
<laughs> I saw you throwing me under the bus yesterday, and I couldn't defend myself, so I was ready for that question. <laughs> Who who uh, who would lift more between you two? Who would uh, who would be the stronger guy? Have you seen Chef's chest? Look at that! I know it's <laughs> illegal in nine countries. <laughs> so now, in all seriousness, you're doing really well since making the the jump to to the pros. Last year, you were five and one. This year, with Lansing, you're seven and one. You've got a three point nine nine ERA. What's working so well for you uh, as you move your way up uh, the minor leagues? Um, honestly, it's it's just kind of about the approach I take every day, um, the preparation it takes to leading up to the day of my start. Um, obviously, I've got I've got a lot of good coaching right now. It's helping me, um, but it's it's a, I put a lot of work into kind of mastering everything and, and mastering all my crafts with with pitches, but. I mean, I go from I, mean, I show up at the field, and and I mean, the day of a start, we go over the scouting report. So, I mean, the biggest thing I think for me is learning to really read the hitters and read their swings, and it kind of gives you an idea of what you can throw to them. But um, it's about just having a plan and, and kind of putting the work in with it. And it's, I mean, for me, what's working is I just try and stay aggressive with guys and um, kind of go in attack mode with them. But uh, I mean, it's. It's kind of a whole new experience. I mean, the game's a lot faster up here, but um, I mean, overall, I think I think the way that I've uh, kind of picked up on things, watching older guys, learning and, and picking the brains of older guys and and veterans of it, is has helped me a ton. So, Maverick Buffo, former BYU pitcher, now a Class A pitcher with the Lansing Lugnuts, is on BYU Sports Nation. Minor League Baseball is a piece of Americana that's just unique and awesome, right? There's these just crazy nicknames and crazy theatrics that are associated with Minor League Baseball. What are some of the better stories or things you've seen or heard being in the minors now for about a year? Well, I think so far the craziest one will be uh, tonight's theme at uh, the Lugnuts game. It's Swipe Right Night for Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's expected to be a great night for some, right? A bad night for I mean, others. I mean, I know a lot of the guys on the team have created Tinder profiles just for tonight, so they're ready. Yeah, right, dude. Minor <laughs> league baseball players just creating Tinder profiles. I don't believe you for a second, dude. <laughs> I mean, you're you're right. <laughs> what what's life like as you go to kind of these remote destinations and kind of explore uh, parts of the U.S. that maybe you had not been to? I mean, it's it's honestly it's a cool experience. I mean, you get to go to a lot of cool places. I've played in some really cool stadiums. Um, I've been to some not so cool places. We uh, <laughs> actually just went to uh, Beloit, and that was not fun at all. I think I played on a better high school field. So, <laughs> I mean, you get a little little sketchy places, and it's I mean the hotels you stay in. Some of them aren't so so nice, but I mean it's I mean it's part of the experience. I, I'm I'm loving it. Um, and just and looking forward to every day of getting the opportunity to put some work in and just try and keep moving and keep chasing this dream. What have the Blue Jays said to you about your future within the organization, or since they're a Canadian franchise organization? <laughs> um, I mean, the biggest thing right now for me is is I mean they love where I'm at, they love my work ethic, um, they know I'm a guy that they don't have to worry about off the field. Um, and and they know that I, I love to compete. Um, I know like wherever wherever we go, with whether it be in spring training this year. I mean, 
Um, we got like our one of our first. We had two first round picks this year, and he one of them's a pitcher, um, Nate Pearson, who's, I mean, a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal pitcher, and a, and a great guy. But um, something something that kind of stands out is he all eyes are on him. I mean, as a as a top round guy. So, I mean, whenever whatever drill it is, I try and I try and be basically his partner or going against him. So because I know eyes are on him, so obviously I want to get looks too. So it's just about competing and and trying to show them how bad I want it and and they love it honestly. Um, but for for now, it's they're loving what I'm doing on the mound and it's it's just about going about every day, not trying to focus so much on the future, but kind of living in the now and just focus on how I can get better each day and and kind of leave it up to them from there. But as long as I do my part in it and do my job, I mean that's all I can ask for. When you were at BYU, your mom and dad were certainly a fixture in the stands. How often do they are they able to come out and actually see you play? Um, they've been out twice. The first time they came out, uh, actually rained out, and got canceled. But we actually they came out a couple weekends ago. We had a Game of Thrones night, so they got to see me pitch. <laughs> so how many people so died? A bunch of weird themes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fun night. <laughs> Uh, Maverick, uh, I, I'm seeing uh, an opportunity for people to see you play Lake County tonight at Cooley Law School Stadium. Lawn tickets are nine bucks, like bleachers for twelve. This is a good deal, people. If you're in the area, you should go see Maverick play right tonight. Absolutely, it's a lot of fun. Our games are a lot of fun, and hey, swipe right night. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maverick, it's great catching up with you. Uh, good luck. When's your next start? Um, Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Awesome. Good luck. Uh, on the mound, and we look forward to uh, seeing you continue to succeed and hopefully get into double-A soon. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Maverick. Mav. Appreciate it. It's Maverick Buffo, former BYU pitcher, now in single-A ball with the Lansing Lug Nuts <laughs> at Swipe Right Night. That, I think that would work uh, for the Oramiles <laughs> as well. Uh, Maverick Buffo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. He was the guy, Maverick was the guy that stacked the hat. Yeah. You know, like, he was a really good pitcher. I wasn't sure whether he would be drafted last year. He got drafted really late, went, which was somewhat of a surprise. And now, last year and this year, he's 12-2. and two. Yeah, 12-2, and two, low ERA, and you know, regardless of, of where he's been in terms of what level, he's had success. And when you do that, teams will fast-track you to the next level. So if he continues with this, at this pace, which he's certainly more than capable of doing— Good things are going to happen for Maverick Buffo. The AA affiliate is the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. So that's hopefully the next yes. step for your boy, Maverick Buffo, as uh, he is one of several Cougars in the minors. No guys in the majors. BYU had three get up there, but Jacob Hanneman in AAA, uh, Jacob Brugman in AAA, Adam Law in AAA, and then uh, you have guys like Maverick Buffo and Colton Shaver doing really nice things in single A. Yeah, Michael, Mike Rucker. Is, Mike is, Rucker's in Double A, right? In, yeah, with the uh, with the Cubs. So there's there's so many yeah. BYU baseball players nice. in in you know minor league baseball. Hopefully they'll get Brock there. Brock Hale will be in the minors yeah. this summer. Brock Hale, you would certainly expect to be drafted this year. Coming up, some ESPN top ten recognition times two for BYU softball, plus an All American coming up in the Cougar Whip Around. Plus, Kainakua makes the biggest splash in Baltimore since The Wire. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. 
Thanks to today's guest, Matt Moreno, covering the Arizona Wildcats and former BYU pitcher now in the minors, Maverick Buffo, who just DM'd you that you'll get swole together if you come and visit him. Yeah, we'll come out. We'll work out, yeah. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, not really, no time. If you missed any of today's show, you can always download the podcast. It's on iTunes or Google Play. In the meantime, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Basketball. BYU hoop schedule is as tough as advertised. College basketball writer John Rothstein's updated preseason top 25 has Gonzaga at number two, Nevada at number five, and Mississippi State at number 15. Not to be outdone, Gary Parrish has Gonzaga at five, Nevada at six, Mississippi. Mississippi State at 15. This is on the heels of Nevada announcing Caleb and Cody Martin, the sweet life. The sweet life. Are returning to Nevada. The Cougars open the season in Reno. Cougars in the NFL. Kainakua had a pick six during an open session of OTAs for the Baltimore Ravens. If you're wondering who he picked off, that would be 2000 and. That would be 2018 Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson. That has been announced. For 17, excuse me. That was Baker Mayfield. 2016. Sorry. <laughs> when Softball. I read it, I'm like, this doesn't sound right. Catcher Libby Sugg is on the NFCA All-American third team. The junior led the team batting 423. Take that, Ted Williams. 64 RBI, 63 hits, 13 doubles, and 11 homers. BYU Softball records two of the ESPNW Top 10 Softball Plays of the Year. Play number seven is Riley Jensen's home run robbing catch versus LSU. And play number two is Caitlin Aldridge's foul territory catch, Boom. resulting in a dugout handstand against LMU. Awesome. Cougars in the minors. Adam Law got a hit for the triple A Tacoma Rainiers and a loss to the Bees. On the other side, the Bees, Taylor Cole pitched two and a third, struck out two, three earned runs. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Libby Sugg for being a third-team All-American and living the Sug life. Our question of the day, who is your favorite BYU athlete in the various sports? Our elite voice of the day goes to at Timoteo Mitchell on Twitter. Football, Jimmy Mack, rebel without a questionable, with a questionable cause. Men's Hoops, Elder Durant told me, when you turn the cheek, the elbows follows, and so on. Thanks for weighing in. Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. Show always on demand at BYUSN.com. The audio podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Saya Hafoka. BYU Sports Nation back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Swipe right night with Lansing. <laughs>